Welcome to the Southern Ohio Synod podcast. I am Josh Brodbeck and I serve as the Chief Operating Officer and Director of Worship, which means I handle the day-to-day business operations and also plan Synod-wide worship events. I am so glad you have joined us for our episode today. When my wife and I bought our first home, we decided to build a brick patio. We went into the project ambitious, delusional, and ignorant. We thought all we had to do was to lay down fine gravel, put on a layer of sand, and then lay down the brick pavers. Then we talked to someone who was competent in building brick patios. It was then that we learned that a foundation needs to be laid before the brick is put down. A foundation wall needs to be built. There needs to be a base of large stone and then a second layer of slightly smaller stone before the final crushed stone and sand. We were not ready nor skilled to build this patio. It led to some, should I say, very intense conversations between us as a newly married couple, as well as some sore backs and a lot of blisters. When reflecting on discipleship, it is important to begin with the foundation. The foundation is identifying the theological underpinning of discipleship. We've been doing that in the last three blogs. In this blog, we are ready to place the brick pavers. The pavers for discipleship will be called the marks of discipleship. Those marks are hearing, telling, and listening. After reflecting on those markers, we will look at the disciplines that equip us to hear tell, and listen. It is always easier to start with what something isn't. The same is true for defining discipleship. So we start with two things that discipleship is not. First, discipleship is not the quick fix for the church. Second, discipleship is not the quick fix for the country. So then, what is discipleship? According to Professor Mark Mattis, discipleship happens when, through the preaching of God's Word, believers are created and formed to live by trusting God's promise to be God and by loving the neighbor in service of creation's well-being. From that definition, we learn that discipleship is, first, trusting God's Word, second, tending to God's Word, third, preaching God's Word, and fourth, letting God's Word have its way with us. The Word of God is encountered in story. Romans 10.17 states, So faith comes from what is heard, And what is heard comes through the word of Christ. The word of Christ is the story of Jesus and his work in the world and in our lives. People come to faith when others tell them about Jesus. The notion of story is important in discipleship. For Bishop Suzanne Darcy Dillahunt, Bishop of the Southern Ohio Synod, Discipleship is about telling the story of Jesus. She identifies three marks of discipleship. 
these three marks of discipleship are, one, hearing the story of Jesus, two, telling the story of Jesus, and three, listening to the story of Jesus active in the lives of others. Let's look at each one a bit more closely. A mark of discipleship is hearing the story of Jesus. The story of Jesus is the story of redemption. Why is it important to say that it's a story of redemption? First, it is important to say it's a story of redemption because the story of Jesus does not start with our perfection. Second, it is important to say it's a story of redemption because the story of Jesus is not about us engaging God, but by being engaged by God first. Third, it is important to say it's a story of redemption because the work of Jesus opens us to a new way of life and brings us into that new way of living. The story of Jesus is a story of life over death, hope over despair, mercy over judgment, and freedom over being bound to the brokenness of this world. Another mark of discipleship is telling the story of Jesus. Telling the story of Jesus has a more specific and personal quality to it. Telling the story of Jesus speaks of Jesus' action in the world, but also tells of how Jesus is active in our own lives. This is about being able to articulate in our own words how Jesus is alive and at work in our lives. Telling the story of Jesus is personal. Telling these stories is an act of humility, for it describes our own helplessness and Jesus' work to save us. A mark of discipleship is listening to the story of Jesus active in the lives of others. Listening to the stories of others helps us to hear how Jesus is living and working in their lives, too. In doing so, we see how our stories interact with the stories of others. We can be comforted and inspired by the stories of others. Listening requires authenticity. Listening requires openness to the diversity of people and their experiences. Listening requires inclusion of all people despite their differences from us. And listening requires justice that is equitable. The next question is, how do we grow in our capacity to hear the story of Jesus, to tell the story of Jesus, and to listen to the story of Jesus in the lives of others? As assistant to the Bishop for Discipleship, Leadership, and Engagement, I think that to grow as disciples of Jesus, there are several disciplines in which those who are disciples of Jesus need to engage. These disciplines help us to hear God's story. They help us to tell our own stories. And they help us to learn to listen to the stories of others. These disciplines are worshiping, learning, serving, giving, witnessing, 
and fellowship. What shapes discipleship and makes hearing, telling, and listening to the story of Jesus possible? First, being actively engaged in the worship life of a community of faith equips disciples of Jesus to hear God's word, to tell God's story in our lives, and to listen to the stories of others. How does being actively engaged in the worship life of a community of faith equip a disciple? First, worship is revelation. In worship, God is revealed in word and sacrament. As God is revealed, God is present. Second, if God is present in worship, then we encounter God in worship. We encounter the living and life-giving presence of God. While we allow room to encounter God in many and various ways of life, we are assured that in word and sacrament, God will be present and encountered. Third, we are changed in our encounter with God. In this encounter, as Professor Mattis writes, believers are created and formed to live by trusting God's promise to be God and by loving the neighbor and in the service of creation's well-being. Fourth, there are actions in which we engage in worship that shape our lives. In worship, we gather in a particular place at a particular time, which means we are not in other places and doing other activities that could have an adverse impact on our lives. In worship, we have that rare moment when we are all speaking the same words, whether that be words of the liturgy, the Lord's Prayer, or common confession. In worship, we have that rare moment when we all sing together. Our lives are normally marked by division and spite, yet for a fleeting moment in worship, we catch a glimpse of the unity that is possible among God's people. Finally, in worship, we catch a glimpse of the kingdom of God, where life is marked by grace, mercy, forgiveness, hope, and compassion. The simple activity of hospitality embodies those beautiful qualities and shows us the kingdom of God. What shapes discipleship and makes hearing, telling, and listening to the story of Jesus possible? Being actively engaged in studying and learning from Scripture equips disciples of Jesus to hear God's word, tell God's story in our lives, and listen to the stories of others. How does being engaged in studying and learning from Scripture equip a disciple? Learning means to be brought back to oneself. Regularly in our lives, we see everything through a prism that serves our personal needs. We will be convinced of what is right and wrong based on self-preservation, self-justification, or self-righteousness. Through the Word of God, we are made fully human and become the humans God is calling us to be. A big part of that humanity 
is the willingness to have our ideologies and notions challenged and corrected when necessary. We bring these same prisms to our interpretation of Holy Scripture. The discipline of learning challenges our perceptions of what Scripture is saying with the truth of the Word of God. Studying and learning from Scripture moves us from a legalistic and literal reading of Scripture to seeing Scripture as the inspired Word of God. In making that shift in reading Scripture, the Word of God is no longer a weapon, but a promise. So what tools are necessary for studying and learning? The first tool when studying Scripture is to understand that Scripture interprets Scripture. We use one section of the Bible to help us understand another. In John chapter 3, verse 14, we hear Jesus say, And just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. To understand what Jesus is saying, we are called to go to Numbers chapter 21, verse 9, and hear the story of God's people wandering in the wilderness, being bitten by poisonous serpents, their cry for help and God's command to create a bronze serpent upon which people would lift their gaze when bitten and be saved from the poison. Another tool we can use as we learn in Scripture is called a canon within a canon. This means that one part of Scripture may carry more weight than another. There's a simple way to look at this. Do you think the text in Scripture that women should have their heads covered in worship is more or less important than the text of John 3.16, which says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, so that everyone who believes in him may not perish but may have eternal life. One passage carries more weight than the other. Another tool for studying and learning from Scripture is to understand the importance of context and history. We regularly hear of the battle over the creation story in Genesis. Well, what if we knew that the story of creation was first included in Hebrew Scripture when God's people were in exile? In exile, God's people lived in chaos, in a strange country with foreign practices and languages, unknown rituals, and various religions. Imagine the hope found in hearing the story of creation and how the God in whom they believe is the God who creates order out of chaos and brings about new life. And another tool for interpreting scripture is that of binding and loosening. Jesus states in Matthew 18, verse 19, Truly I tell you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Over time, interpretations of what is right and wrong will change. It is Jesus himself who has been heard to say, You have heard it said, but I now say to you, and then he offers a new interpretation. Binding and loosing is the willingness to engage in that new interpretation.
What shapes discipleship and makes hearing, telling, and listening to the story of Jesus possible? Being actively engaged in a life of service within the community of faith equips disciples of Jesus to hear God's word, tell God's story in our lives, and listen to the stories of others. How does being engaged in a life of service within the community of faith equip a disciple? Serving is a mark of a disciple of Jesus. In John 15, verse 12, we hear Jesus say to his disciples, This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Early in the story, Jesus did something radical. We read in 13, verse 4, that Jesus got up from the table, took off his outer robe, and tied a towel around himself. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was tied around him. After he had washed their feet, he said to them, So if I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. In Jesus' day, the act of washing another's feet was an act of service. The relationship between Jesus and his disciples is one grounded in love, specifically Jesus' love for them. Loved by Jesus, the disciples then have the capacity to love one another. One of the primary expressions of being loved by Jesus and loving others is to engage in a life of service of one another. Service is marked by humility and assuming a role of low status. It calls for a genuine concern for the well-being of others and for the initiative to make sure that the person's well-being is protected and maintained. One grows as a disciple of Jesus by serving others, for it disciplines us into lives of humility. It challenges us in the moments when we want high status among others, It calls us to attend to and be compassionate to others and their needs. It builds up the body of Christ. And at a base level, it sets the tone for what we do with our hands and our feet. What shapes discipleship and makes hearing, telling, and listening to the story of Jesus possible? Being actively engaged in sacrificial giving equips disciples of Jesus to hear God's word, tell God's story in our lives, and to listen to the stories of others. So how does being engaged in sacrificial giving equip a disciple? Giving shapes the life of disciple of Jesus. Giving here is specifically concerned with money and wealth. If we were to compare how many times Jesus talks about love and how many times Jesus talks about money, we will learn that Jesus talks more about money than love. In 1 Timothy 6, verse 10, we read, For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil, and in their eagerness to be rich, some have wandered away from the faith 
and pierce themselves with many pains. Please note, it does not say money is the root of all evil, but that the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Why do people lo love money? And why is the love of money problematic in our lives? Simply stated, money is connected to power and control. Those with money can have power over and can control where they go, what they buy, what they eat, how they dress, where they live, and what they have to do. Money is about power and control, and people in congregations can try to use it that way as well. Giving is a spiritual discipline that addresses the need for power and control through money. Giving to the faith community as a disciple of Jesus is about sacrificing. The specific sacrifice is giving up control and allowing the Spirit to guide the church and how they use their financial gifts. Here are three examples of money playing a role in ministry. There are no names mentioned in order to protect the guilty. First, a couple from a congregation met with the pastor of their congregation and told the pastor they are angry about a project the leaders of the congregation are discussing. They tell the pastor that if the idea continues to be discussed, they will withhold their pledge for the upcoming year. Another example, a member of a congregation that helps with the finance ministry regularly makes claims that the fiscal year will end with a large deficit, even though the budget has been balanced, giving is strong, and each year has ended with a financial surplus. This creates anxiety and fear among leaders and members who then turn to this person and ask them what they think should be done to avoid the deficit, giving remarkable power and control to that person. But let's flip this over. The third story is of an elderly lady who meets with the associate pastor of her congregation. The associate pastor has oversight for the youth ministry. And the lady states, one of my spiritual gifts is that I have wealth. I want to make a large gift to the youth ministry, and I trust your judgment for how the money will be used. What shapes discipleship and makes hearing, telling, and listening to the story of Jesus possible? Being actively engaged in telling the story of Jesus equips disciples of Jesus to hear God's word, tell God's story in our lives, and listen to the stories of others. How does being actively engaged in telling the story of Jesus equip a disciple? Witnessing is telling the story of Jesus. Witnessing is a mark of the disciple of Jesus. Witnessing happens when we hear God's story, tell our own stories, and listen to the stories of others. In church circles, we commonly use the word evangelism. The work of evangelism is important, and it includes many things, including making sure that the ministry is visible to the community, making sure that hospitality is shown, 
making sure that we invite others to join us in the faith community, and making sure that we find ways to integrate people into the faith community. So often, though, we overlook what is at the heart of evangelism. At the heart of evangelism is hearing the story of Jesus, telling the story of Jesus at work in our lives, and listening to the stories of others and how Jesus is at work in their lives. Witnessing, telling the story, moves us away from trying to sell our congregation to others and toward telling people what God is doing in the world and in our lives. What shapes discipleship and makes hearing, telling, and listening to story possible? Being actively engaged in the life of the faith community equips disciples of Jesus to hear God's word, tell God's story in our lives, and listen to the stories of others. How does being engaged in the life of the faith community equip a disciple? Being in community with other believers is a mark of a disciple of Jesus. In Scripture, Jesus is accused of being a glutton and drunkard. This accusation is used because Jesus eats a lot of meals with a lot of people. There is something transformative about having a good meal together. Oscar Wilde is quoted as saying one time, After a good meal, you can forgive anyone, even members of your family. I would go as far as saying that sharing a meal together can be healing. Why? Because it calls for our best manners. It calls for a common civility. It asks us to engage each other in a respectful conversation. I would like to add a specific component of eating together that is important. As did Jesus, we are called to eat meals with people who are radically different from us. When I share a meal in conversation with others who differ from me, I increase the chance that I may change my mind about them and my perceptions of them. In a sociological study from Johns Hopkins University in the late 2000s, researchers examined the difference between living in a neighborhood and living in a suburban development. Neighborhoods, more common in the early 1900s, were comprised of people of various socioeconomic levels, educational backgrounds, ages, and both blue and white collar employees. Suburban development saw the diversity of a neighborhood disappear. One of the conclusions of the researchers is that when diversity diminishes, so too does the capacity for people in the community to compromise. Being engaged with a diverse group of people broadens one's understanding of relationships and improves one's capacity to engage with and show compassion to others. This increased capacity to engage with and show compassion to another increases our ability to listen to how Jesus is at work in the lives of others. 
I want to conclude this podcast with the idea that people of various backgrounds and ways of life can be fully and compassionately engaged with each other. Our bishop, our rostered leaders, our lay leaders, and the people of our congregations as disciples of Jesus believe that this compassionate and civic engagement is possible. We as disciples are called to live into that reality. That is why for the season of Lent in 2024, we are providing a resource entitled Living Purple. This resource is designed for congregations and leaders to recognize how worship shapes our conversation, to learn what scripture is saying to us about honoring each other, to reflect upon how God transforms and equips us for this type of living, and to catch a glimpse of what the kingdom of God looks like. This is Pastor Rebecca Great, the media ambassador and storyteller for the Southern Ohio Synod. And I want to thank you again for joining us for this podcast episode. There is a discussion guide available for this podcast that is located on the Synod's website and in the description box for this episode on our YouTube channel. We hope this helps congregations and ministries be able to use this information with your councils and your other ministry leaders to help us all grow in our discipleship. If you have questions about any of the content or want to continue the conversation, uh, you can connect with Pastor Tim Menser by sending him an email. His email address is tmenser at southernohiosynod.org. Until the next time we gather on this podcast, remember that we are stronger and better together joining Jesus in the restoration of the world.